Welcome to Double Happiness Multiplied with Sally Barker, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy, healthy family life. Welcome to Season 1 of Double Happiness Multiplied. I'm Sally Barker. Coming up on Episode 1, Part 2, we're discussing higher-order multiples. We'll hear from maternal fetal medicine specialist Associate Professor Craig Pennell, who explains the different types of higher-order multiples and what to expect from your pregnancy. Triplet mum Laura Sarubin talks about her experience finding out she was having triplets and how she tried to normalise the pregnancy as much as possible. And Janelle Snadden shares her story of infertility and her journey with IVF and how she was hoping for one baby and ended up with four. Nadia Suleiman, dubbed Octomum by the international media, brought the world's attention to higher-order multiples when she gave birth to octuplets in January 2009. Her story is wrought with controversy and led to an investigation into the field of assisted reproductive therapy by the Medical Board of California in 2011. It turned out that Ms Suleiman already had six children when she underwent IVF to conceive the octuplets. Following the investigation, fertility specialist Dr Michael Kamara had his medical licence revoked. This led to the tightening of regulations and updated guidelines for IVF in most countries around the world. So I'm sure it will be no surprise to hear that the chance of conceiving octuplets naturally is virtually impossible. And it's almost equally impossible to conceive octuplets through assisted therapies practising within these updated guidelines. Now, since you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're carrying more than two, three or even four babies. Congratulations. You're entering the world of higher order multiples. But what does that mean? Maternal fetal medicine specialist, Associate Professor Craig Pennell, talks us through the types of higher order multiples and what it means for your pregnancy. So there are basically two types of higher order multiples. The first type is where every fetus has its own placenta with its own membranes. These will be described as trichorionic triamniotic triplets or quadrachorionic quadramniotic quads. The second pattern is where you can have a set of monozygotic twins and a singleton giving you a triplet pregnancy or monozygotic twins and two singletons giving you a quadruplet pregnancy. What is very important to realise is that when you have multiple fetuses in a uterus, they can become progressively more and more difficult to assess. By the time you're getting into the third trimester, you're frequently having one baby on top of another and this can interfere with the accuracy of imaging in terms of identifying the right limbs attached to the right baby. Now, one of the main concerns that people have when diagnosed with a higher order multiple pregnancy is prematurity. And we know that the vast majority of twins are now born premature and all triplets and all quads are premature. Now, with the risk of prematurity come the complications of prematurity, especially the complications of early prematurity. And the one that gives the greatest concern is cerebral palsy. So we know that the rate of cerebral palsy in the general population for singleton pregnancies is approximately 2 per 1,000 pregnancies, or 0.2%. Now, when you have a twin pregnancy, the risk of having a child with cerebral palsy is 1.5%, and that is 0.75% for each fetus. 
And quite often, if the twins are born extremely prematurely, it's not only one child that will end up with a complication of the prematurity, it may be both. Now, as the number of fetuses go up, this risk increases. So the risk of a family having a child with cerebral palsy from a triplet pregnancy is 8%, and the risk with a quadruplet pregnancy is 40%. When one starts talking about this risk in early pregnancy, they often raise the issue of the option of reducing their multiple pregnancy from triplets to twins or quadruplets to twins. What is done is under ultrasound guidance, a very fine needle is inserted into one of the pregnancy sacs very early in pregnancy. After this has been performed, the embryo in that sac stops growing. Now, with the reduction from triplets to twins, there is a dramatic reduction in the risk of cerebral palsy. Unfortunately, no procedures in medicine are without risk, and there is certainly a risk of losing the entire pregnancy, and there is also a slight increased risk of preterm birth in the remaining pregnancy, where on average the babies are born one week earlier. Most triplets are delivered at around 34 weeks gestation if they haven't delivered earlier. And with quadruplets, the aim would be to try and get people to approximately 32 weeks gestation. With multiples and especially higher order multiples, the ability to accurately predict fetal safety deteriorates with advancing gestation. So assessing fetal blood flow studies, fetal growth, fetal amniotic fluid and placental function becomes progressively more difficult when you have multiple interlocked fetuses within the uterine cavity. So there's absolutely no doubt that higher order multiple pregnancies are challenging both during the pregnancy and after the pregnancy. So the first thing that I say to families of multiple pregnancies is that they are privileged in that they get to become members of a very special club. The next thing that I try and encourage families to do is to enjoy their pregnancy where they can and to use their pregnancy as a way of preparing for the first year of life. My final advice to people with higher order multiples is to be aware right up front that this is going to be challenging, both personally for the family and for the relationship they have with their partner. And if you accept that up front and you accept that there is a high risk of things like postnatal depression, then if the signs of these things appear, then action can be taken quickly. Having multiples is something that most families don't get to experience. So consider yourself lucky and look at this as an opportunity for personal growth and for growth within your relationship and with your partner. Laura Sarubin was basking in the glow of her first pregnancy and was planning her future around the arrival of her baby when at just eight weeks gestation, she received a diagnosis she wasn't expecting. I'd taken just an hour off work and thought that I'd go back that afternoon. Luckily, my husband was at the scan with me Everything was going well. The sonographer was lovely and then she found two heartbeats and we were overjoyed at that, actually. We were really glad that our babies would have a sibling. 
Then there was a bit of a look of panic on the sonographer's face and she told us, don't be alarmed, but I think we can see another heartbeat. Yeah, that was a lot to process. I was really worried about the future for our babies and how I'd cope with the pregnancy and if they would arrive safely. My husband started worrying about all the logistical things like the car and would we have to move house. It was a lot to take in at one appointment. I ended up calling in sick to work that afternoon. I just had to process it all and made a GP appointment. Originally, they thought our identical twin girls were Momo. So two of our girls are identical and one is fraternal. So Anna and Isabella were in the same sack and Felicity had her own sack and placenta. We couldn't get into our high-risk obstetrician until I was 14 weeks. So that was a very long wait, not knowing if they were Momo twins and not knowing how the pregnancy was progressing. Fortunately, one of my friends has triplets and I leaned on her a lot for support. And she also let me know about the Multiple Birth Association. Through that, I started meeting other people and asking them questions and started to normalise the pregnancy and put me at ease to speaking to other mothers. Because two of the girls were sharing a placenta, we went back at 16 weeks and we found out that we were having girls, which is really lovely. We also found out then that the blood flow between two of the girls wasn't equal and it looked like they were developing twin-twin transfusion syndrome. So from then we had almost weekly scans. Luckily, it didn't progress and the girls continued to grow really well. It was at about 30 weeks I started developing preeclampsia. I would go in for blood pressure checks and at 31 weeks I had to be admitted into hospital. I spent that week being closely monitored and having blood tests as well and at 32 weeks it was decided it was time my um, platelet levels had dropped and it wouldn't have been safe to continue to let them drop because I was having a caesarean. Janelle Snadden and her husband Matt had been trying for a year to conceive but nothing was happening. After some investigating they turned to IVF to fulfil their dream of having a baby. We'd been together eight years, we got married, we'd been married for about a year and then decided that, you know, kids was on the agenda. So, like most people, I didn't expect it to happen overnight, but I thought it would happen. But after about a year of trying and nothing happening, I started asking questions. So we started looking into, obviously, other things and then it came up that there was a problem for me, falling pregnant, which I didn't expect. You know, I know it happens to lots of people, but just for myself... Uh, I hadn't been around it with anyone close to me to um, sort of go down that track of IVF and things like that. So this was a whole new world. So we tried natural things first to see if that would help. And then unfortunately that didn't help because I had um, bigger issues that I wasn't aware of. So we uh, headed to the IVF clinic to start the process and we went from there. So we'd been with the IVF clinic for about a year when we finally got to a stage where we were going to try the first 
implant, I guess you would say. So they put me on the hormone therapy to produce the eggs. And out of all the days for it to happen, I was at my sister's baby shower and I actually received the phone call from the IVF clinic to tell me that the process hadn't worked very well. I'd only um, produced one good follicle. So it wasn't enough to extract the eggs and take them out. So it was up to myself and Matt if we wanted to go down the line of trying an IUI. They also said they didn't think that was going to happen, but obviously that was our choice uh, if we wanted to try it and obviously spend the money and go from there. So, of course, I wanted to. I wanted to give it a go. I was like, well, we've been down this road this long, so I wanted to give it a go. So Matt and I went to Perth had the process done and then Matt drove home and I stuck my feet up on the dashboard all the way home because I was like, this is going to work. We just waited then. We had to wait until three or four weeks to have a blood test to find out if I was pregnant. You know, was obviously hoping like I had been for the last two years on the journey of having multiple pregnancy tests and buying them from the supermarket. I don't know why because I knew that I couldn't fall pregnant, but I used to buy them all the time just in case. But this day we went to the clinic and had our blood test and it was great news. We got the phone call to say, yes, I was pregnant. So then my mum proceeded to stir me up that we would have twins for sure because we'd waited this long. Obviously early days, so we didn't want to get too excited because, you know, the unknown and this was new, first time I'd been pregnant. So we waited till eight weeks and went back to Perth to have our first of what I thought would be a routine scan. We uh, were lucky enough to go back to the same sonographer that had done all my IVF investigations. So he was always great and fantastic and always said to me he'd tell me good or bad and then we would deal with it as it was. So obviously first scan for me, not knowing anything. I don't know how these scans went. So usual ultrasound, he's searching my belly, but I could tell he was covering a lot of ground. He was all the way up you know, under my breast area, all the way down really low. And he kept circling and going everywhere. And it seemed like it was taking a long time. And then all of a sudden he grabbed my hand and he said, well, you're definitely pregnant. And of course, I suppose in my head, I built myself up for, but there's something wrong. There's something coming. He's going to say, but, and then he said, there's four. And at that point, I think I just burst out into tears because I wasn't, definitely wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> wasn't, that was, Definitely didn't come into the thought pattern that he was going to say there was four. I'd built myself up that, yeah, he was going to tell me there was something wrong. We were about 15 weeks pregnant when we finally got to our doctor and he made all the difference. Once we met him, the first appointment that I actually went and saw him was the only appointment that Matt couldn't attend. So my mum came up to Perth with me and we actually took my younger brother because we were going to tie it in with the Royal Show. It was all on at the same time. So we're like, right, let's go to the appointment in Perth, meet the doctor and then go on to the show. Going home to Matt, like obviously the doctor had to explain about reducing, which obviously is always a conversation that you have to have when people are carrying multiple births. Matt was more open to the idea because he was worried about, you know, the babies and if things had gone wrong or and myself with the way the babies scanned, I was told I couldn't reduce from four to three. I would have to reduce from four to two. And in the end, it would have been the girls that would have been taken just from where they were sitting and the way they were growing. But I decided that, no, this had all happened to me for a reason and everything was going well and I wanted to give them every chance so yeah, we decided to take the plunge into growing four and we went from there. 
I had to go into hospital at 26 weeks. I asked my doctor very nicely if I could stay home for Christmas and he let me do that. But I checked into the hospital in Perth on the 26th, so Boxing Day. He more explained to me, yes, my pregnancy was going well. Physically, I was going well. But living down in Bustleton, we don't have the facilities here. If I did go into labour, that I would be much safer if I was up in Perth, close to where people could help straight away with the babies, which I fully understood. It makes sense. So, yeah, I checked in at 26 weeks. You know, if people came up for the day, I could still go out for the day and do things like that with everyone. But obviously just being close to help if I needed it. The doctor was fantastic. I feel like um, Dr Pennell didn't have a life. I saw him every day. There wasn't one day that I didn't see him. He always came in and checked on me. I was always having scans. He was always checking on the babies. It was a Wednesday and he came to me and said, Janelle, yep, you need to have a scan today. And I didn't see him. It was like almost 11 o'clock at night that I ended up having a scan. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, being so busy. And I'm like, oh, no sorry to me. I'm sorry for you. Like still at this time to do it. And then ended up that scan that he, uh, yeah, just said to me, he goes, no, the babies need to come out. They ended up being delivered on the Friday, which was Friday the 25th of January at 30 weeks and four days. Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 1, Part 2 of Double Happiness Multiplied. There are some great free downloads on the Double Happiness Multiplied website with diagrams that explain the types of higher order multiples we've learned about in this episode. I hope you'll join me on episode two, where we'll hear from maternal fetal medicine specialist, Associate Professor Craig Pennell again, who gives us some tips on what you should be asking your specialist. Sonographer Sam Ward walks us through what to expect during your ultrasounds. And twin mum, hypnobirthing practitioner and birthing doula, Elise Jamison, shines a light on your right to choose your care providers. Until next time, I wish you double happiness multiplied. The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform and should not be used to diagnose any medical condition. It's no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it doesn't constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, I encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specialises in multiple births. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience and conclusions. Thank you for listening to Double Happiness Multiplied, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy and healthy family life. Remember to head over to doublehappinessmultiplied.com to get access to more great resources.